Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping new and aspiring instructional designers get the knowledge, skills, and confidence to stand out in the field and land their first corporate instructional design job. I'm your host, Jill Davidian, and think of this podcast as a way to put my over 20 years of corporate ID experience in your back pocket. I've helped over 500 new instructional designers successfully transition into the field, and I know what hiring managers are looking for. Whether you're looking for a career change and exploring if instructional design is right for you, or you know you want to become an ID and have no idea how to get started, you are in the right place. Join me each week for actionable guidance as we explore how to build your portfolio, transform your resume, and interview with confidence. I'm so excited to have you back with me for a second episode. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about what instructional design is, the instructional design process, and how it's like building a house. I know that seems strange, but I promise it's going to make a lot more sense when I start to explain it. Usually people are pretty familiar with the process for building a house. And if not, I think it's still going to make a lot of sense to you once we go through it. I wanted one of our first episodes to be an introduction into instructional design because I know it's a foreign concept for many people when first encountering it. It's not like nursing or banking where everyone has a general idea of what it is. If someone said, hey, I think nursing would be a good career for you, you might not know all the ins and outs of nursing, but you're going to know what a nurse does. You're going to know what maybe an engineer does or a banker does. But for some reason, and I have a pretty good idea why, people have no idea what instructional designers do. I have been in this field for 20 years and people still don't understand what I do. Or if they do figure out what I do, they automatically, whenever they meet someone who does what I do, which is not often, they want to put us together and have us meet and have us talk because they're so excited that they know two instructional designers now because it's just something that's not as common as any of these other careers. And that's actually a really good thing for you because a lot of companies are really starting to find out about instructional design in a way that they haven't before. And it's not a field that is overrun in the whole scheme of things. It may feel like that because you may be encountering a lot of people who are getting into the field, but I describe it like a red car that you've just purchased. When you drive off the lot, everything around you is all of a sudden red cars everywhere, right? Like all of a sudden, every car you see is a red car. And that does not mean that everybody went to go buy a red car because you did, or everybody's actually driving red cars. It's just that that is the thing that you are thinking about, right? But as a whole, it's not what everyone else is thinking about that's out there. It's just what you have kind of brought into your conscious mind. So instructional design is still a fairly new field. You may have found out about it from a colleague or a friend or a family member, and you're just beginning to explore it. And so we're just going to really look at what is it exactly? Later on in this podcast, and we're going to have episodes about a day in the life of an instructional designer, the characteristics you need to be successful in instructional design, how to tell if you'll like doing instructional design, all those things. But for now, we're just going to explain what instructional design is. Now, in its most basic definition, It's the creation of learning materials, but I believe it's really more than that because anyone can create learning materials. It's creating engaging learning materials in a systematic and thoughtful way. These learning materials elicit behavior change through the acquisition of knowledge or skill and ultimately increase performance 
or results for the company. So when people would ask me, and still when they ask me what I do, a lot of times I describe it as, have you ever taken one of those training courses that's online where you had to click through the screens and take a quiz at the end? Well, that's called e-learning, and that's what instructional designers create. And so a lot of times I'll get the, oh, you do that? Oh, that's awful. And unfortunately, there is a lot of bad training out there. Now, a lot of times that training was not created by instructional designers because there is this thought process out there that anyone can create training. Anyone that knows about a subject matter or a topic can go and throw something together and teach it just because you know what you can teach it. Sometimes that's just because people don't realize there really is more that goes into it. A lot of times it's because they don't even know instructional design is a career. Just like you may not have known it was a career a week ago or a month ago or a year ago, a lot of companies don't know either, which is a huge opportunity because when they find out, they're like, oh my goodness, I need to hire somebody like that to revamp all of our training. And especially after the pandemic, a lot of that is coming to the forefront and a lot of companies are realizing that. So it's amazing opportunity for us. But there's still a lot of training out there that's old legacy training that's been created by people who are not instructional designers. And so that's why I often get that response. And that's why we need more instructional designers. It is our mission and vision as instructional designers to create engaging learning that actually changes behavior. It actually does something. It's not just this boring thing that you fall asleep watching, right? But a lot of times that's what people see because instructional design is really just coming to the forefront. And the demand is huge right now, but it has been newer in the last, I would say, five or so years. And a lot of this training has been there for years and years and years. It takes corporations a long time to change sometimes. They're just set in their ways and doing things that they're used to doing. So that really is the definition of instructional design, is really creating learning materials in a systematic and thoughtful way. Not just creating them, not just throwing them together, but really creating them in a systematic and thoughtful way that elicits some type of behavior change. Now, let me preface this conversation that we're going to have by saying that we are focused on corporate instructional design here. You can do instructional design in education. Corporate is basically anything non-education. So you could do instructional design in the higher ed space. You could do it in the K through 12 education space. It's often called ed tech in that space. But there's a huge, huge difference between corporate, higher ed, and K through 12 or ed tech instructional design. Very, very different things. And I primarily have experience in the corporate space. So I've been in the corporate space for 17 years now. My first three years of my career was in higher ed. It was very different. We're not going to be talking about that in this episode or on this podcast. You absolutely can get into that if that's something that you're interested in. But I just want to make sure that if you're new to listening to this, that you understand that this is focused on corporate. And if you don't know which one you're interested in, then just listen in and you can learn more about corporate and see if it's something that you want to do. You don't have to have a corporate background to get into corporate instructional design. You could be coming from education, no problem at all. It's not about where you're coming from. It's more about where you want to go. Why are we just focused on corporate besides the fact that that's my background? The processes are very different. The tools are different. The learners are different. It's just all around very, very different. And so if I was going to be focused on all three of those tracks, I'd have to basically have three different podcasts. And so I'm really just going to focus and hone in on corporate because that's what I'm really good at helping people get into. 
I'm connected to corporate hiring managers and recruiters who hire instructional designers. This is what I've been doing. And so this is what I live and breathe every day. Now, if you're still a little bit confused about what corporate is, it's basically non-education. So think about any company out there that exists that is not an educational company. It could be an actual corporate office of maybe at your favorite retail store. They probably have a corporate office. Your favorite restaurant probably has a corporate office. It could be a bank. It could be a healthcare organization. It could be a hospital. It could be an insurance company. It could be a property management company. It could be a cybersecurity or IT company, manufacturing, production, oil company. Any of those companies would be considered corporate. Nonprofit sometimes follows the corporate track, sometimes the education track. So that's a little tricky in terms of what it more closely mirrors. Government often mirrors corporate. The only thing that's different about government is that they move very slowly. We'll have a future episode that talks a lot more about the different industries and places that you can work in within instructional design. But I want to make sure that you have an understanding of what corporate is. So it's corporate and government is kind of what we're really focused on, which is really just non-education. Now, while we are talking about the corporate space, we're not talking about any specific industry when we talk about the process and how it's like building a house or anything on this podcast. It's really industry agnostic unless we specify that we're talking about a specific industry. So it doesn't matter if you're creating training for a call center or a retail corporate office or a bank. You're going to follow the same general process. There will be nuances and we'll talk about those at a later time, but the process is basically the same. Now, in most cases, you do not have to be the subject matter expert, which means you do not have to know the subject matter that you are creating training for. The subject matter expert or SME or SME is a term that you will hear come up frequently. And that is the person who is knowledgeable about the subject matter. So if you're creating training for some engineers, who is that person that knows the content that you're designing training for? It's not going to be you. You could be designing training for engineers, and then you can move to designing training for a call center. And it's a totally different thing. You could be doing sales training next. Every single one of those projects should have a subject matter expert, and it's not you. You are the learning expert. And so I really feel the best way to describe it. It's like a marriage between the learning expert and the subject matter expert who come together to create this engaging learning solution that gets results. The subject matter expert can't do it alone because they know the content, but they are not the best person to deliver it in most cases or to design it in most cases. The learning expert, you, the instructional designer, don't know the content. You know the best way to design learning, but as a whole, not specific to that content. So you have to come together with that subject matter expert. If you think about that in terms of a college course, let's say that you have a professor And that professor is super knowledgeable. I mean, super smart, has published books, has done all these things. No question they know their stuff. But at the end of the class, let's say this is a typical college class where you've got 19 and 20-year-olds mostly in this class. They're asleep at the end. They didn't retain anything that the professor was saying. Does that mean the professor didn't know what he was talking about? Does that mean he was not knowledgeable? Does that mean anything like that? No, he might have been super smart and knowledgeable about the topic, but he didn't know how to translate it and deliver it in a way that kept his learners in mind. 
He didn't know how to get that across and engage 19 and 20 year olds. And if they're asleep, they don't learn anything, right? And that can be the same thing in corporate learning. You could have someone sitting through this module and they're falling asleep through the whole time. It doesn't matter what you're talking about, but if you're giving the history of the company and all these other things and it's not interesting and they're asleep, they're not going to act on it. They're going to tune out. So that's where that professor needed an instructional designer, which that would be higher ed, which is a little different, but they need that person to come together with them to get the knowledge out of their head and deliver it in a way that actually resonates with their audience, which in this case maybe is the majority 19 and 20 year olds, we'll just say for example purposes. So hopefully that helps you understand a little bit more. Now I'm going to get into what I said at the beginning that I was going to talk about during this episode, which is comparing instructional design to building a house. Now to do that, we're going to use something called the ADDIE model. The ADDIE model is an acronym. It's five letters, A, D like dog, I-E, A-D-D-I-E. And it stands for analysis, design, development, implementation, and evaluation. This is a model that helps you walk through an instructional design process from start to finish. And we're going to take the ADDIE model or the instructional design process and compare it to the process of building a house. Now, this model was created many moons ago and is probably the most used acronym besides ID, which is an acronym for instructional design. So obviously, you've got to know what ID means. And you'll hear me say ID. That means instructional design or instructional designer, depending on the context I'm using it in. Well, the second most used acronym is ADDIE. You're going to hear it during job interviews. You're going to see it in job descriptions. You are going to hear people mention it. It's been around so long that it's one of those things that you just have to know. And if you go and apply for a job and you have an interview and you don't know Addy, it may not go very well. So I really want you to internalize this, but I also want you to use it to help understand what we do as instructional designers so that you have a better insight into the job. All right. So one thing I want to bring up is that I would argue that Addy is a very academic model. It's what you learn in grad school. The acronym is thrown around a lot, but does that mean that every project follows ADDIE to a T? Not at all. In fact, I would say most do not because there's so many nuances and things that can happen on a project. And there's actually some other models that encapsulate some of the different variations that we will talk about in later episodes. However, ADDIE is really a great model for teaching high-level instructional design. You have to learn the high-level process before you can look at the nuances, right? Like that's part of learning. So we're going to teach you that high-level process, and then we're going to spend future episodes talking about all the different nuances and things um, and other models out there, the detours and all the other things that you can do to more realistically model a real project. Okay, so let's get into it. Now think about how a house is built, Do they just start hammering away and pouring the foundation and just start building a house without any plan? No, they have to have a plan. And it's the same thing in instructional design. We have to have a plan. The difference with instructional designers versus somebody who's just creating training because they're knowledgeable about a topic is that we come in with a systematic and thorough plan, just like you do when you're building a house. So the first thing I want to talk about before we get into the the ADDIE model is this idea of theories. 
So some people will say, well, is the Addy model a learning theory? No, it is not a learning theory. The Addy model has a start point and an end point. It's a process that you walk through with steps, right? It can be circular. You can kind of come back to certain steps, but there's still steps. A learning theory doesn't have steps. You can think of learning theories as guiding principles. And how does that relate to how a house is being built? Well, when you build a house, the builder has to follow building codes. They can't build a high rise in a residential neighborhood. Like they can't build on top of the easement, right? There's an easement that a lot of times people have in their backyard or their front yard, and you can't put a pool on top of an easement. You have all these different things that have to do with their building codes. They're like guiding principles. Are they steps? Is building a high rise or not building a high rise in a residential neighborhood a step in building a house? No, it's not a step. It's a code that has to be followed. It's a guiding principle that has to be followed. Learning theories in instructional design are the same way. They are not steps. They are codes. They are principles. They guide us throughout the process. Addy is not a learning theory. So I want to start with that. We will talk about learning theories in a future episode. So we're not going to talk about that right now. But I just want to make sure because a lot of times people think Addy is a learning theory. It is not. And I want to explain how learning theories are different in this house example. Okay, so that being said, we know that we're walking into the house building process with a set of building codes, and we're walking into the instructional design process, creating our learning solution with a set of learning theories. We'll talk more about those specifically later. The first thing that happens when someone is going to get a custom house built, let's say it's a family, they're going to be going to get a custom house built, so they go to the builder. The builder does not make any assumptions about what kind of house they need, right? They ask questions. Do they need two floors or do they maybe need one floor because of health concerns or whatever else? Do they need a huge backyard? Do they have pets? How many people are going to be living in the house? How many bedrooms do they need? Is it a multi-generational house? Do they need a separate entrance? Do they want square footage? Is that more important to them or is it more important to them? You know, they're have these nice upgrades or whatever it is. There's a lot of questions that the builder asks. Well, we equate that to the A in Addy, which is analysis. It's learning about what are our learners? In this case, our learners would be this family that's having this house built for them. What do our learners need? What is their previous knowledge? You know, what do they already know about this topic? What do we want them to be able to do with this training at the end? Or no, what behavior needs to change? What is currently happening and what needs to be happening in the future that's causing a need for this training? So going back to that house example, what is the family currently lacking in their current home? Maybe they don't have a current home or maybe they do, but there's certain features that are lacking. A lot of times a builder will ask that. It's the same thing here with our learners in creating a learning solution, we need to know where the gap is. As instructional designers, we are problem solvers. There is a problem and we are solving it. And it's a problem that can be solved by training because not all problems can be solved by training, although some people often think they can, but that's a whole different topic. So if you have determined or the client has determined or someone has determined that training is the answer to this problem, It is up to you as the instructional designer to help figure out and solve that problem. 
And so a builder is solving a problem for that family by creating a home that is going to work for that family. So that beginning process of the builder assessing needs is the same thing we do to assess the needs of our learners. And so that equates to the A in Addie. Now we're going to move on to the D in Addie. The D is design. So if we go back to our house example, the next step is designing the home. Does the builder say, okay, I know that you want a two-story home with four bedrooms. I'm going to start hammering away and pouring the foundation now. No, they have an architect build a blueprint. That architect is going to sketch out what the home is going to look like so that there's a plan going into the actual building of the home, right? We do the same thing. And this is often where the difference between instructional designers and that subject matter expert, where the difference comes in. So the subject matter expert maybe doesn't do the plan because they don't even know how to plan. And that's one thing that we know as instructional designers. There's certain what we call deliverables or documents that we create in that design process that kind of mirror a blueprint, but for us. So obviously it doesn't look like a blueprint, but it's our version of the blueprint. If you're just good at engineering or good at nursing and you're creating some training, you don't even know what that is. Just like if you off the street were going to go build a house, do you know how to create a blueprint? No, you don't know that. So how is this person who's an engineering expert going to know how to create the deliverables we use in instructional design to plan instruction? They don't know. And a lot of times they don't realize how useful it really is or how much it helps or how much it's needed. So they just jump to the equivalent of building the house, hammering away. That's why a lot of times it ends up not being that great. So as instructional designers, we follow a similar process to the home builder where we are like the architects. In fact, there's some titles out there that are learning architect or training architect. We go and plan out or design this learning before we go to actually create it, just like that architect is doing. Now, when that architect creates the blueprint, they're going to send it back to the family and to anyone else because the architect is not the person building the house. They got to send it to the actual builder to see if this can even be built, right? If they create a design that can't be built, it's going to be a problem. So that builder has to sign off on it. The family has to sign off on it, who are the customers, and then they can move to actually building the home. In our case, in the design process and instructional design we create these documents or these deliverables that are very similar to a blueprint. For e-learning, the two that we create are called a design document and a storyboard, and we will talk more about those in future modules. We actually have a template of a design document on our website, and so you can actually check, if you check the show notes and you go over to the website, you will see that we actually have some templates that you can download. But when we create those documents, we will then send it to what we call the stakeholders, which are basically anyone who has a stake in this project. So in the case of the builder, it's the builder. Anybody involved in that building process will send it to them to make sure we're on track. They have to approve it. And then we move to development. So in the development phase, that is where we actually build the learning solution. Or in the case of the the builder, they actually go build the house. So just to review, we've talked about analysis, where we ask all the questions. We talked about design, where we design these different, what we call deliverables, which are documents that are like a blueprint that outline our plan, get approval. 
And then we move to development. So we're at the third letter in the ADI model, the A-D-D, the second D. Okay, so in the development phase, it's where we go in and actually create the learning solution. And if it's an, a completely asynchronous, meaning no instructor, completely online, people are taking it on their own time, if it's that type of a learning solution, which we call e-learning, which probably about 85% of the learning created in corporate is e-learning, then there are certain software tools that are used that allow learners to take the learning online. Very different than what might be used in education if you are familiar with learning management systems and things like that in education. If you're not, don't worry about it right now. But we use certain software tools to create this learning. So it's very similar to building a house where now they're going to go pour the foundation. Now they're going to go build the house and they have tools like they have specialized tools and hammers and drills and materials and all those things they use to build a house. Well, we have ours too. They just happen to be software tools. So they're a little bit different, right? But it's a similar process where we go and develop after we've gone through a design process. We'll be talking in future episodes about those software tools and which are the best, which are the ones that are used most in the field. If you've seen job descriptions, sometimes they list 50 million software tools. You don't need to know all of those. We'll talk about that in future episodes. But just know that that's the next step in the process. Now, after the house is built, or in our case, the e-learning solution or whatever the training is, is built, it now has to go through implementation. So that's the fourth letter in the ADI model. So remember, we have A is analysis, D is design, D is development. Now we're at implementation. For the house example, that is where they now say, okay, family, your house is ready. We're going to have an inspection. You know, you're going to come and you're going to take possession of your house, right? In our case, that means we're going to turn this learning over to the company or the department or whoever's going to roll this out to the learners, which is typically not us. That's not our job. Now, the learning may go into what's called the learning management system or LMS, which is an online system that is built to track learner progress, especially if it's a large company. They need to know who took this online course, when they took it, all those things. And so that is all tracked through a learning management system. Now, some companies that are smaller don't have them, but if they don't have them, they have some way of implementing this training. And so that implementation process is going to happen after it's been developed. The last letter of the ADI model is the E for evaluation. Now, if we equate that back to building a house, that inspection that happens at the end, that's the evaluation. Well, it's actually two sides. There's an inspector that goes in and then also the customer or the family who bought the house, they're also going to go in and say, wait, what about this? Or is this wrong? Or does it meet code? You might have the city come in and see if it meets code. So there are several steps to evaluating if that house uh, meets the code, if it's what the family wanted, if there's anything wrong with it, anything's not working, that's all part of that evaluation process. Now, on our side in instructional design, there's different levels to evaluation, which we'll talk about in a later episode, but we want to evaluate, did the learners grasp the material? Are they able to do whatever we set out for them to do in the objectives? Is that ultimately changing any behavior in their job? Are they implementing what they're doing? All of those things are part of evaluation to determine if the learning was successful because we ultimately want behavior to change. We don't want this to be a wasted learning opportunity that was a waste of everyone's time and nothing changes as a result. So that's the evaluation side. So hopefully that example made sense. Hopefully 
it was easy to understand how instructional design works and you have a better understanding of the process and how it's like building a house. I hope that helped you visualize it a little bit better. Like I said, we're going to go into a lot more detail on many of these concepts in future episodes. This episode was just meant to be a starting place. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss anything in the future. We drop episodes every week. We've got other episodes up so you can check those out. Each episode will have show notes with additional resources. So definitely get in the habit of checking that in the episode description you'll often find lots of valuable things to help you on your journey. While you're there checking out the show notes, you can also check out our website as we often have resources and downloads for new instructional designers entering the field there as well. We run free five-day workshops throughout the year on the roadmap for getting into instructional design and what are all the things that you have to have in place in order to get hired as an instructional designer. So it kind of lays it out for you so you don't have to go through all the Googling and trying to piece it all together. So if you check our website, you'll also see if one of those workshops is coming up as well, and you can attend that also. Thank you all for listening, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career podcast. I hope you've gained valuable insights that will help you on your instructional design journey. Are you interested in going deeper and getting the roadmap to an instructional design career? I have a free five-day workshop coming up on January 16th through 20th, 2023, where you will be live with me for an hour a day. I will help you identify the skills that you bring to the table, clarify your gaps, and get the direction you need to stand out to hiring managers to get that first ID job or contract. The link to register is in the show notes on our website at learningstrategyanddesign.com slash podcast. And that's not all. To kick off the launch of this podcast, we're doing a giveaway with some big prizes. Enter to win a one-year license to Articulate 360, which is an $1,100 value. I'm also giving away a one-on-one coaching session with me and three instructional design book bundles. To enter the giveaway and get more details, go to learningstrategyanddesign.com slash giveaway. You can also check the description and the show notes for more information. No purchase is required. If you love the show and want to hear more, follow the podcast and give me a rating and review. Stay tuned next week as I bring you more tips, tools, and strategies to jumpstart your instructional design career.